they were three ordinary women on what seemed like a simple mission to find a film they liked. One where women got something to do and not just look pretty or be murdered. Which, to be totally honest, has complicated matters a bit. Welcome to Flicking. Yes, it sounds a bit rude. That's the joke. Hello everyone, welcome back to Flicking, our monthly look at film. And I am joined, as ever, by the one that I call, and everyone calls, Hannah Dunleavy. Hello, that was a weird intro. <laughs> I'm just trying to jazz it up a little bit, I don't know. Okay. <laughs> okay. And by the one that I call, and indeed everyone calls, Yosra Osman. Hello. Actually, most people Hi. call you Yossi, right? I am known as Yossi by many people, so yeah. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Sorry, I've made it weird already. Uh, let's let's move on quickly. So it was Hannah's choice again this month. Hannah, would you like to tell us what you chose and why? Okay, so as we anyone who listens to last month's, which they should, in which we were discussing Moonlight, I made the decision that I wouldn't pick one of my other favourite films, Brokeback Mountain, because it had very similar themes, and I don't just mean about the gayness. Then I had a bit of a panic, didn't I? And I just threw some names at you, and we decided on Badlands, which I wouldn't say... Favourite's a weird word, because favourite suggests it's something you watch over and over again, and that's certainly not the case. I haven't seen this over and over again. But in as much as I believe it is a really great film and that everybody should actually watch it once, that is why I picked it. And I can tell you why, but first if I just tell you what it is. 1973, this film is as old as me. In fact, this film is about a month older than me. It's coming up on 47. Hooray. Written, produced and directed by Terence Malick. It's his debut film and I have a real penchant for debut films. I love them because they create this idea of they are like all the promise. They're like all the other better films that people inevitably go off and make. You can see where they came from in their debut film. I mean, it's generally regarded as one of the best slash most influential films of all time. And I'm interested in Yosra's opinion of this because do you remember when we were talking with Sarah, Sarah Millican, and mm-hmm. about comedy? And I said, and this is Mickey, I was, I was, we were talking, and I said that I'd been watching that documentary about Richard Pryor. Yep. It'd be easy to see that if you only first arrived at Richard Pryor after seeing everything that influenced Richard Pryor, that you might come to the conclusion that he was hack. Yeah, because he's been much copied. Yeah, and because this film has been so copied, I'm kind of interested whether it feels revolutionary to you, having, you know, you've seen everything that came after it. I mean, loads of stuff that you could say was influenced by this, but we, we can go on and discuss this. But the long and short of it is... It is a film about a teenage girl living in the 1950s, sort of Holly, she's played by Sissy Spacek, who encounters an older man, Kit Carruthers, who is, at the time that they meet, a bin collector, who's played by Martin Sheen. And they start a romance disapproved of by her father, who is played by Warren Oates. Uh, I have a funny story about Warren Oates, but maybe I'll save that to the end. Eventually, this descends into a murderous spree in which they flee into the badlands of Montana and are pursued by the police. The natural born killers obviously draws something from this. Also, I think there's really clear elements of race in Arizona in this, the, the, the plinky-plonky music and the, and the, um, the uh, voiceover are very Raising Arizona. Also, I think uh, Dead Man's Shoes, uh, Shea Meadows' film, draws quite heavily on this, and I, I will go into why in a bit. But, yeah, why I love it. I just think it's 
it's beautiful. In fact, the points it's like painfully beautiful to look at. I think there's a couple of images in it. the The shot of Martin Sheen basically as a scarecrow with the rifle under his arm and his arms over it in that backdrop is amazing. As is the shot at the end where he's on the car and the clouds behind him all look like they've been painted in the sky. It's so fantastical. The sky is so huge and so beautiful. It looks like it's been green screen, but that's clearly just what that land is. I think it's really well written. I think the intro to this film, the first few lines where she talks about how her mum died when she was a baby and her dad found himself as a stranger in the house and he gave her the wedding cake that had been in the freezer away to the binman. It's just the most beautiful encapsulation of a start of a film. The storytelling in that is incredible, just in like two or three lines. That impresses me a lot. I think the two central performances are really great. I just like Terence Malick, I like, or I did to a certain point. I like the, the philosophy that is on display. I think everything is a philosophical sort of statement in the Terence Malick film. And I'm aware that sounds well poncy, but I don't actually care. <laughs> So there, that is why I love it. But I'm happy to discuss further any of those issues. But one last thing is, I think it's really funny. It's so funny. So many incidences. I had to make a list of them because I wouldn't be able to hold them in my head. The absurd instances. And that's where I feel like Dead Man's Shoes has that touch of, you know, Dead Man's Shoes where he does the recycling when he's off his head. And it's just so hilarious. There's bits in this, like where he says thanks at the end when he's recording that thing, that murder Mm. statement that he makes (laughs) and he thanks the machine at the end. When he just puts her dad's body in the cellar and then comes up and goes, oh, find your toaster. Um, <laughs> this, uh, <laughs> but he tortures that whole house, but then he takes that gorgeous lamp with him. But there's a bit where he goes, I'm going to hold on to this stone. And he goes, and it's really heavy. And he goes, well, maybe I'll pick a smaller stone. <laughs> and I don't know. There's just bits of it that really, the absurdism of it is so funny. Just on that note, I liked it when she's doing the voiceover and Holly has got bored of hanging out with Kit and being on this crazy-ass road trip. And she says in the voiceover, like, I got tired of being with him. I just didn't even listen anymore. And then he's talking in the car and she just goes, yeah. sorry, I wasn't listening. Also, when she says in the voiceover, uh, when we got to so-and-so, he shot a football, which he had deemed excess baggage. <laughs> 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 you just see him crouched down. <laughs> and Ash, she's yeah. just told us that he was driving cars at cows to save on ammunition as well. <laughs> just So who's going to go first? Yosra. Let's get Yosra first, yeah. Have you seen it before, okay. Yosra? Nope. First time I watched it was actually this morning. So She's fresh. fresh. She's fresh. I'm fresh. I'm fresh. Terence Malick, for me, it's quite nice to have seen his debut because I've only actually ever seen a few Terence Malick films and I have a very difficult relationship with Terence Malick. Thin Red Line, pretty cool. New World, okay, if you're patient. And Tree of Life, which is probably the most recent one I saw, I just found boring as anything. So I, I, I genuinely hated that film, but we won't go Yeah, they go. And the, and the worst news is, Yosra, they go downhill from there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, what's the, the latest one I've heard isn't. Anyway, but I was really excited to see Badlands because I'd heard loads about it, but I didn't actually really know what the story was. I just heard. Terence Malick's debut, really, really good. So I was like, "Cool, I will, I will watch this." As soon as that music, sorry, we've got to mention the music. As soon as that main piece yeah. of score hits, and it's been used so much recently, yeah. like, well, since the film came out, it 
it, I don't know, it's like a dawning moment on me, really, because it was the first time I'd obviously heard it in the film, and it, it has a really nice effect on the film. I think what I liked about it is you can see Terence Malick's artistry in this film really clearly, and that's and, and matched with the humour and the kind of excitement of the storytelling it feels quite different to his later films where things slow down a lot more Mm. um so i was quite pleasantly surprised by that but you still also get the things that he does really really well in terms of the scenes shot in nature he has a real appreciation of nature he loves i think he loves it and you that was even clear in badland so it was i really liked watching it and just picking on little things like that which kind of explains so much for his later films sissy spacek i just love in anything so i i just have to give a shout out to her because for me she was the the saving not saving grace because i didn't i didn't dislike it but she really made the film her narration just everything about her i just think was was the highlight of the film for me um I can't really imagine it without her. So I, I really enjoyed it for her performance and also those humorous bits that we were talking about. So there was quite a lot to appreciate watching it as somebody who's only ever seen Terence Malick's later films. Mm. I, I wanted to bring something up about Sissy Spacek. I think both of them do something in this, in which the, there's a point in which their, their personality essentially changes. With Holly, it's when her dad is killed. I mean, massive spoiler alerts for everyone. Um, <laughs> and and suddenly, and I don't know how it's achieved, but Sissy Spacek looks visibly older after that happens. Yeah, yeah. He actually appears to turn into a grown-up, but not necessarily in a mental way. But I don't know, it's the way she carries herself. And with him, want... it's when he gets arrested. And when he yeah. gets arrested and he goes from being nobody Changes. to somebody, he becomes inc- actually incredibly charismatic for a character that's basically said not a huge amount, well... He has said a lot, but he hasn't said anything that was of any particular substance. He didn't appear to be self-aware in any way. And yet suddenly he like changes completely. I wonder if that, that must have been intentional <coughs> because the charm radiating off yeah. Kit at the end of the film when he's you know handcuffed to the plane and it's unbelievable. It's like, oh, I actually quite like you now and he's going to be on the electric chair in a bit. So I actually <laughs> said out loud, Boiler. where has all this charm come from? Where has it all come <laughs> yeah. from? Yeah, he's not been this charming. Well, I think that's the the point is it's it's he he was nobody, oh, and yeah. then suddenly no, he it. was it was yeah he was somebody. But yeah, it would have been easier to see what she saw in him if that charm had been evident mm. earlier. Obviously, mm. but Agreed. yeah. Mm. It was my first time watching Badlands as well, and I really like its fairy tale quality. It's it's a proper fairy tale, isn't it? And I mean that in the original sense of fairy tales, in that they are they're usually pretty grisly, and it is pretty grisly. It's not gore, but it's obviously there's quite a high death count. It's so clever in that she delivers this really kind of banal voiceover, yet the film is utterly engaging even though she's just sort of describing these things. And it's almost emotionless throughout the entire film. I was like, this is why Dunleavy likes it. There's no emotions on display (laughs) at all. Everyone's like boxed in and corseted up their feelings. That's part of her charm as as well, is that she, especially, you know, from the point where her father's killed, 
she's very distant and there's something quite graceful about it that sort of fits into that I don't know fairy tale I don't know it just I think it's really interesting that she has a fantasy about the future and it very clearly doesn't involve him yeah she talks about about her future husband and how she wouldn't have met him yet yeah and it's so interesting that she hasn't She's kind of oddly removed from this whole thing that's happening, but she's obviously emotionally removed from it as well. She obviously yeah. thinks it has a shelf life. She's really childlike. I know you said that she seems to visibly get older, but they're almost babes in the wood, aren't they? They're just living this mm. life off of the land, stealing a chicken every now and again and doing the fishing. Because their relationship, we see some kissing, but they don't have sex, which I was quite you know, relieved by, given that he's a good 10 years older than her. Mm. Um but they're more like siblings. They kind of have little squabbles, but mostly get on. And the only thing they seem to do is the occasional, like, snog. Mm. Just, it seems, it's such a juxtaposition between this weird, innocent life that they're living and the fact that then they just turn up and kill people. Well, he does. He does. That's the thing. So I was thinking this was going to be, because in my head, Badlands is almost sort of Bonnie and Clyde-esque. And in Bonnie and Clyde, they're both fully involved, you know? You know, they're both into the killing spree as each other. But in Badlands, it's all Kit that does all the killing. And she's there. But again, it's that kind of emotionally removed thing that just added a whole different dynamic to what I was expecting. Yeah, Yeah. I mean, arguably, she she kills them by not helping them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, yes, absolutely. I mean, she doesn't actually pull the trigger at all. But um, It's loosely based on an actual true crime, isn't it, of Charles Mm. Startweather and his also very young girlfriend, Carol Ann Fugate, F-U-G-A-T-E. I don't know how we're pronouncing that. Excellent knowledge there. It's called Google... It's the knowledge (laughs) available to everyone. (laughs) Um, But I thought that was really interesting as well, actually, because it's quite a thoughtful piece about that renown that comes if you are a a murderer, if you're, you know, a serial killer. That renown that Kit is never going to get anywhere in that small town where he's even just been fired from being a garbage collector. So how does he make his name? And like Hannah says, when he realises he's made his name, he becomes this really garrulous, charismatic character. And maybe we shouldn't be making criminal celebrities, it feels like Malik's saying. You know, maybe. Mm. I think you're you're kind of right, because I think it is ultimately about the banality of evil type thing. You know, they're not... In a lot of ways, I was looking at it and I was thinking, is there an allegory for our times in there in the sense of, you know, what Kit does is what he wants to do. And then he thinks up reasons why he's done it later. Yeah. He's mm. not. I don't know if he enjoys killing people. I think he just doesn't. It doesn't seem to bother him. It just seems to be something yeah. that he's, he's able to do to get from one sort of place to the next. And the next being Canada. But also, does he? I mean, they say Montana, but that's clearly where they're going to head to is, is over when they're talking. They would end up going north to Canada. And that's something that I don't think they actually thought there was an end to it if it makes if that makes sense they, they are not long-term thinkers is or, or she is but, but he is not a long-term thinker. he's not he yeah yeah i mean the worst thing he does is just shoot randomly into that cellar mm. which i mean he probably didn't kill them he probably just mm. really injured them but they're absolutely despicable what he does clearly but he doesn't he, it's not thrilling 
for. It's not thrilling to watch a bit. It doesn't even appear to be thrilling for him. It's just something he does. Yeah, it's quite matter of fact, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. And then he gives himself up. And I thought it was really interesting in the voiceover where Holly is saying, oh, he'll later claim... He tells me that it was a flat tyre, so he had no choice. But then you see him get out of the car and shoot his own tyre before standing on the road and kind of surrendering to the police. But even then, and that's it, that's when it turns when he's caught and he's like trying to trying to get their approval almost. And he's asking about their rifles and stuff and they kind of, you know, he's shaking hands with everyone. It's it, that, that was mad. It was mad that, you know, all these people decide to sort of respect him for getting away with it for so long. Yeah. The first time I saw this film, I saw it in Sydney. It was just before The Thin Red Line was coming out and, like, the media was very excited that Malik had another film coming out. And it should have been because The Thin Red Line is undoubtedly the best one. Best Malik film, but also the best war film by mm-hmm. Country Mile. Anyway, so I went to see Badlands at an old uh, arts theatre in Sydney, which probably still isn't there. I mean, definitely won't be there post-COVID, but it's, it, it probably still wouldn't be there. And it was so old and dilapidated, this place. The same person sold us tickets and sold us a drink and showed us to our seats. It was just like one old lady worked in there. When I came home and I was bored um, later that evening, I tried really hard to learn to put my coat on, like Martin Sheen puts his coat on in this film, because it's really impressive. He just does it in one action. (laughs) You must have noticed that. Surely tell me you noticed that. Go back and watch it. He does. He literally puts his jacket on in one action. He puts the arm through, slings it over and puts that arm out and does it like that. It's really hard to do. So first point. Second point, I was going to tell you a funny story about Warren Oates, which is entirely uh, beside the point for Badlands once I was having a conversation with a friend of mine and he asked, we were drunk, and he asked me who the least conventionally attractive person I'd ever fancied was. Now he's a fan of you know, uh, like me, Peck and Power um, bringing the head of Alfredo Garcia, the wild bunch, right so he knows who Warren Oates is right? So, and I said Warren Oates and he went, really? and I was like, yeah, and he went and a bit, about half an hour later, he was like, really? Warren Oates? And I was like, yeah. And and he asked me the question, and I answered it. Anyway, a couple of years later, shoot forward a couple of years later, we're with some friends at, 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 like at a party, and one of them says something about D.L. and Pasco. And he says, Hannah fancies him. And I went, what? And he was like, you do, you said... That he was, and I was like, "That is Warren Clark." <laughs> I said, Warren Oates, and he'd spent years thinking that I secretly had a thing for Warren Clark. So, just in case he's told anyone that in the interim, and they're listening to this, I'd like them to know that that is not true. Nothing wrong with a gruff northerner. No, not at all. <laughs> not at all. Do you know what I think is really clever about Badlands? I've just been kind of thinking about it a little bit more. Is that the film is beautiful as we've covered like the cinematography is utterly stunning those vast skies the vast badlands that they're impeccable central performances but they're not glamorous you know we're often sold like the bonnie and clyde thing as they were glamorous serial killers but i like how malik has depicted this as like actually the day-to-day life of a serial killer not particularly glamorous at all <laughs> and it's only becomes glamorous viewed through the eyes of other people when they get caught mm. and it's this big story yeah. told through the media it's interesting because if you look uh holly and kit are the only characters that actually have names oh no the guy that he works for 
Kato. Kato. They're the only people yeah. that have names in it. Everybody else uh, is just called man, woman, barber, driver, stuff like that. So yes, other people don't matter in this. The fact that it isn't glamorous and nothing's really stylized. You know, you see so many films about serial killers and <laughs> there's just these glamorized murders, and it, it these are just quite muted in a sense they're still shocking but it it fits into that overall picture that i think malik's trying to paint where you kind of get a sense that these are just ordinary people rather than huge characters like bonnie and clyde are portrayed to be so i I think in a sense to me that added to its charm um, and again, one of the things that surprised me, I don't really know what I was expecting with this film, but it, it wasn't what it was. So that's kind yeah. of good. <laughs> yeah, I think it definitely captures how small town they are when they're removed from it. Like that lovely shot with the train going past. You know, that's something really sort of basic. But yeah, it appears exciting. Like, yeah. Because, you know, she's lived like a really sheltered existence. Mm-hmm. And when she sits and she's looking at the lights of Cheyenne, which I mean, Jesus, Cheyenne, not New York, not... You know what I mean? And then he talks about Rapid City. I've been to Rapid City. No, it's we're not talking about like bright lights, big city places. I think that's all achieved really well. How yeah. how how further they go into the big wide open, how smaller they are revealed to be themselves. It's a relatively easy trick to pull off, but he certainly does pull it off. Yeah, captures definitely. it well. Mm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, the interesting point is that she's 15 and I feel like we're a feminist podcast. We should discuss this at some point. But to me, the point of her age is merely that I don't think she she has to be 15 to buy into that. I can't imagine anybody of any more emotional or sort of uh, physical maturity getting caught up in something like that. Her youth is the reason this happens in many ways. Yeah, and and Kit's quite childlike as well isn't he in lots of ways but I wonder if if Malik did that because Charles Startweather's girlfriend Charles Startweather was 19 so he's a lot younger than Kit and his girlfriend Mm. was 14 and while I don't think it should matter because she's clearly very young I wonder what the age of consent is in that particular American state because obviously it changes doesn't it Mm. I was actually quite I didn't realize the age difference until she says that he's 10 years older than her mm. because like you say he does to me he seemed really young he seemed maybe a couple of years older than her at most so um I don't know where I was going at that but yeah it's just it, it was quite interesting that there is that age dynamic at play and I, I didn't really I haven't really thought about it actually Mickey until you said about how what the age of consent might be but it still troubled me just watching it knowing he is 10 years older Mm -hmm. than her and they're going off on this adventure and yes it's you know she has got that wonderful sort of childlike innocent thing which does change as the film goes on but that didn't really escape from my mind as they're traveling I'm like gosh he's 25 and she's 15 but you know you like you say Hannah she would she would buy into that it is that Mm. kind of escape narrative and you know, I, she says at one point, oh, I want to be in his arms forever or something. And just those sorts of qualities that you probably couldn't get from somebody older than that. Yeah, she wants to be lost in his arms until she meets her actual future husband. <laughs> She's planned Which for, and it's not him. Categorically not him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, she does herself. She does, she does actually do all right for herself at the end, it transpires, because she marries the son of a lawyer. So, um, yeah. The son of the lawyer who defended her. Yeah. 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 
Okay, well, I'm glad that, that, that you didn't hate it. No, I liked it. I'm glad no. that I watched it. It was really, really good. And very yeah. funny. I feel like, you know, we covered it yeah. at the top, but it made me laugh a lot. And it's all so dry. It's as dry as the Badlands, that humour, but it is beautiful. Yeah, yeah I, I really, I'm really glad I've watched it because I had my thoughts on Malik and this has actually quite changed them in a, in a sense. So I'm really glad I watched it. I'll probably watch it again a couple of weeks look at Dunleavy winning hearts and changing minds there she is <laughs> great <laughs> so it's yours one's turn to pick isn't it no it's is my it? turn Phew. <laughs> my <laughs> turn okay so it's Mickey's turn to pick it is and I'm going to go for the one that I, I I had two that I was umming and ahhing about last time and obviously I went for Jaws so I am going to go for Ghostbusters because it feels a little bit more light entertainment than <laughs> what we've just watched it is one of my go-to watch time and time and time and time again favourites. So let's talk about more men. That's what we're going to talk about next <laughs> week. More men. More men. Standard issue for all women. <laughs> 